Welcome to the Learning Through Leading podcast. Lots of great things are happening in education all over our nation. This podcast will help educators in schools and classrooms connect with those who are moving the needle to help kids in effective and innovative ways. Your hosts are Dr. Nick Sutton and yours truly, Matt Jacobson. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, Nick, remember when we talked with the creators of Floop? Yeah, yeah, I do. It was great. Uh, Melanie, Christine, uh, they were episode 23. That's right. Can you remind our listeners what Floop is? Based on research and built by teachers, Floop is actually a web app that helps teachers give meaningful feedback faster. Floop actually lets you collect images, PDFs, and Google Docs from students, and then you can leave text and even audio comments that lead to conversations. You can also empower students to give each other feedback and build their feedback skills through Floop's guided peer review. And here's a special offer for listeners of the Learning Through Leading podcast. For 20% off your first year of Floop, sign up at www.floopedu.com and then enter the coupon code LEARNLEAD20 before October 31st, 2020. That's F-L-O-O-P-E-D-U dot com. And the coupon code is LEARNLEAD20. Do that before October 31st, everyone. You want to get this 20% off your Floop subscription for your first year. For instructions on applying a coupon code, click in the show notes for this episode, which can be found at www.learningthroughleading.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Learning Through Leading podcast. My name is Matt, and with us always is Dr. Nick Sutton. Nick, how are you doing tonight? I'm well. I'm well. I have no idea what the weather is going to be like when this thing gets put out there or when somebody might listen to it. But right now, looking out my, my window, it is really nice, and it's like 70 degrees. And that is kind of a nice way to kind of put everybody in a little extra good mood. What about you, Mr. Matt? You know, very true. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I, uh, I, I'm feeling the same way. I'm looking out the window at this beautiful day thinking, wow, I wish we could record these outside, but uh, that, that, would be, that would make for some funky audio. So um, kind of like your squeaky chair, Nick. Um, hey, I'm doing, I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a can of, a, a can of WD-40 or something. If anything, that just goes to show that uh, our microphones are working real well, so I'll take it. They are. That's true. And and we're real people. This is not like your ultra-professional podcast. This is this is something we do for fun. Uh, we, we meet people, we talk to them, and we hit record, and everybody gets to listen. Now, speaking of meeting people, you know, that's, that's kind of the short version of, of how we got our two guests today. Um, God, it would have been almost a year ago now, last, last November, I went to the Teach right. Better conference in Ohio. So I guess special shout out to our friends, Jeff and, and, and Ray and Chad. Um, Hi guys. The Teach, yeah, over with the Teach Better crew. Lord knows we love them. We do. But while I was at that conference, you know, I met a, a pile of wonderful people and, and two of the people that I met that um, I was glad that I did 
um, were a couple of teachers named Amanda and Maggie. And so I know who they are and I really like them and I have no doubt that um, everybody in our audience is gonna like them, but Amanda, Maggie, how are you? If you, if anything, give a little introduction of who you folks are, what you teach, what your background is. Um, I think everyone would love to hear it. All right, um, I'll start. I'm Amanda. Um, I am a second grade teacher from Southeast Ohio. And just thank you guys so much for, you know, inviting us on your podcast. Um, I know we are super excited to be here today. Um, I am, like I said, a second grade teacher. I have been teaching for eight years and this is my fourth year in second grade. And previously I taught four years in kindergarten. All right, I am Maggie Gifford and I'm excited to be here. Um, this is a brand new um, opportunity for me. So I'm excited to be part of the podcast. Um, I am a second grade, no I'm not, I'm a first grade teacher. Um, I sound, I said second grade because up until this year I was a second grade teacher with Amanda. Um, but this year I went to first grade so that I could teach my daughter's first grade class. Um, this is year 18 for me and I've taught anything from special ed to third grade, second grade, first grade. Um, so I'm kind of all over the map. Um, and like you said, um, we met at the Teach Better conference and both Amanda and I are Teach Better ambassadors with the Teach Better team, um, which has been an exciting journey too. So it's nice to be here. Um, so can you tell us, I, this was a question we were going to talk about a little bit later, but can you tell us a little bit about what a Teach Better ambassador is? Yeah, so a Teach Better ambassador is someone essentially selected by members of the Teach Better team uh, to share their message of being better today than you were yesterday and better tomorrow than you are today. And, um, you know, there was a very short application process, um, but I can tell you that the group of ambassadors we have this year um, the very first group, by the way, the original 27 of us, I believe, um, are just, it's a compilation of amazing educators from across the country and even in Canada. We do have one from Canada. Um, you know, essentially our job is to spread the message of what we're doing and what the Teach Better team does and why we love the Teach Better team. Uh, Maggie, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I, I mean, Amanda pretty much covered it, um, but it's just a great way for us to kind of stay connected to the team while putting um, the Teach Better philosophy and all of the opportunities that the Teach Better team has out into the public. Um, when we say Teach Better team, I'm not sure everybody knows exactly what is involved with that, but um, they have you know, blogs and podcasts. And so it's just a great way to build your PLN um, and receive some PD at the same time. I mean, that's what it's all about. You meet people, you network, and that's the beautiful part about public education is there's no shortage of people to get ideas from. So if anything, 
both as you guys kind of reflect with all the different grade levels you've taught and now with the opportunity right now as a Teach Better ambassador, how have, how have your instructional strategies changed since, since day one? When, when you reflect back to what it was like on your first year of teaching to, to, to kind of how you evolved to right now today, what are some of the, what are some of the ways that come to mind of how that's, how that evolution has kind of been along the way? Well, for me, from day one, um, I was that teacher who stood up and lectured in front of the classroom. And I'm talking with kindergartners. And I think it's because I didn't know any other way. I had been taught what I had been taught in college, but we all know that that doesn't fully prepare you for what the classroom situation is truly like. And I knew there was a better way. I just didn't know what to do or how to do it. And being a new teacher is exhausting. And honestly, I just didn't have the willpower or ability to change what I was doing. And so I kind of just went with what I knew. And I know that whenever Maggie and I had the chance to be connected with the Teach Better team and learn about the grid method through Chad Ostrowski, um, that that completely shifted my instructional strategies and how I thought about my profession. And so I switched from being the teacher who lectures and moves on when students aren't ready to the teacher who meets every student where they are every single day. Uh, for example, for those of you who don't know what the grid method is, please go to uh, the Teach Better website, please, and uh, search that because it is an amazing tool uh, to help in your classroom. Um, for example, right now I have second grade students who are you know, one or two topics ahead of other students in math because that's where they need to be. And the students who still need that extra help can spend extra time on what they need. And, you know, I think my passion for teaching has just exploded in the past couple years. Um, and so I've gone very much from a teacher-centered classroom to a student-centered classroom. Yeah, I would um, kind of follow along the same lines. I when I first thought about that question, my first response is everything, everything's different. Um, because there's so much that you changed the longer you're in education. Um, but I would say that I've definitely moved from being teacher focused to student focused. And so my question is no longer how am I going to teach the content? It's how is the student going to learn the content? And that's really been a minds, mindset shift for me because now if a student doesn't get it, I have to look at myself first. And so I'm more focused on learning styles and um, whether students work better um, in collaboration or if they work better independently. And so it's, I'm no longer the giver of information. Um, I'm a facilitator. Um, students, you know, even first graders have whatever information they need right at the tips of their fingers with Google. All they have to do is, you know, do an internet search. So now I've really had to focus on how can I teach those um, problem solving skills? How can I teach those life skills that are going to 
carry them through as opposed to just presenting content. That is, that is fantastic. We're going to come right back and talk a little bit with Maggie and Amanda and how they have adapted this idea to our current new reality right after this uh, break for some words from our sponsors. Hey, Matt, you know, I've really enjoyed making these podcasts. I think that anyone who has an interest in sharing their ideas should really consider starting their own. Can you suggest a good way for people to get started? We use Anchor for this show. In my opinion, Anchor is one of the easiest ways to make and distribute a podcast. Here's why it's my favorite. First, it's free. There are also creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can even start an episode on one device and finish it up on another gadget. It's all true. I can record interviews directly into Anchor or on my smartphone or my PC, and, and then you can edit it and publish them in a completely different location. All I really have to do is just press the big red record button and start talking. Yeah, and Anchor even distributes our podcast for us, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When I wanted Learning Through Leading to be heard on more platforms like Google Podcasts, all I had to do was send an email to their support team, and they did almost all the work for me. <laughs> wow, it's, it's great. You can also make money from your podcast with, believe it or not, no minimum listenership. Anchor is really everything you need to make a great podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, so if there is one thing that's kind of on everyone's mind, no matter where they teach, what they teach, um, it's, it's COVID-19 and how this is going to affect public education. So I know you guys have no, you know, magic insight of what, of what that might be, but in your guys' opinion, how do you think public education is going to be different now and in the future as a result of this? Yeah, it's no longer how I'm going to teach the content. How are the students going to learn the content? And I ran into this yesterday where I thought I taught it well, <laughs> and then nobody got it. <laughs> and so I, you know, I really had to change my approach. I think that when everything happened in the spring, teachers weren't prepared. And by that, I mean, technology had always been a focus, but it hadn't been a daily use in every single classroom. And, you know, I think we were lucky because Maggie and I had been using technology every single day in our classroom and students knew where to get work and they knew where to go. And I feel like so many educators were stuck because they hadn't utilized everything that education or technology, not education, technology had to offer. And I think that because of all of the COVID-19 um, unknowns and especially with so many teachers being remote or hybrid today, I think that educators have really been forced to look at the technological part of education and how they can incorporate that in every day 
situations, uh, especially for those of us who are face-to-face. -face. We are face-to-face -face where we are uh, five days a week. And I know that from day one, I had my second graders on the computers just in case we were to get shut down. So I feel like moving forward, education is gonna take a major shift toward technology and all of those advances, just because teachers are utilizing it more now than ever. And they're understanding the value of technology in the classroom. Yeah, I would um, agree with what Amanda said. Absolutely, technology is going to be huge, I think, in the future. Um, I also, and I hope that this is true for every district, um, but I know that in our district and especially in our building, we, our principal has given us um, permission to go slow. And up until this year, there's always been that pressure of we have to teach all of our standards, we have to get it in before the test, we have to get it in before our SLOs are due, um, we have, you know, 87 standards to cover, and we just kind of put, push through hoping that something sticks. And this year, it's been a completely different environment. Um, we know students are coming back with gaps. And so we've really been given permission. We've given ourselves permission to slow down, focus on what students need right now, um, not to stress about getting things in. And I hope that that is a trend that continues after this year, that we're able to slow it down um, and really meet students where they are, as opposed to trying to just fit our standards in so that they at least have had exposure to something. Um, and, I, and I hope that by doing that, students, you know, are going to feel more comfortable in school. They're going to feel more successful. That's wonderful that your your school district is supporting your educators in the um, in, in finding that appropriate pace. And you talked about uh, student stress, and and that that to me kind of triggers um, the the phrase social emotional learning in the back of my mind. When we think about especially primary education in, in the, the, the earliest grades, how can you develop those trusting and professionally caring relationships with students, whether they're in an in-person, a fully remote, or, or some sort of a blended or hybrid uh, learning setting? I think that with us, we're lucky because Maggie and I are in a district where we are face-to-face -face five days a week with students. And with the permission from our administration to go slow, that really allowed us to get to know our kids, even with the restrictions of masks and social distancing and not sharing things. And I think that, you know, we are truly blessed because I know how difficult it was going remote in the spring, knowing my students and having already built that trust with them. And 
I cannot imagine what educators who are fully remote are going through right now with building those relationships with their students. And if you're hybrid, I, I know that you have a little bit of both worlds. Um, I know that some school districts are having students zoom in during classes for those who have chosen to stay online. And you know, this has come up several times in conversations I've had with other educators is you know, how do you make those students feel like a part of the classroom even though they're at home? And I, I think that you have to be creative and find ways to communicate with them that is the easiest way for them to communicate. You know, not all students are going to want to turn on their cameras during a Zoom call because they don't want you to see where they live or, or they don't want you to know what's going on in their personal life. And so you have to understand that some kids aren't going to want to do that and you need to meet them with phone calls or things like that instead. You know, I, I it's just, it's so hard. And, and I know that everyone is struggling with it right now, but I think the biggest thing is just take the time when you do have students, whether it's in the classroom or on phone calls or on, you know, Zoom calls or whatever it is, take the time to ask questions, get to know your kids, and don't just force the academics on them. Make sure that you're meeting those social needs for students as So do you have some like, like some practical tips, um, some concrete strategies? I mean, I always am hugely focused on morning meeting, and I know that Maggie is also a huge fan of doing a meeting um, with students, and she actually wrote a blog post um, over at teachbetter.com on morning meeting, which is phenomenal, so I would check that out um, if you have the chance. Um, we'll but, definitely you know, put just, a link in the show notes. Yes, do that for sure. Um, Look at me talking you up, Maggie. <laughs> Thanks for the shout out. You're welcome, friend. Um, you know, I, I think that honestly, allowing your students to see your vulnerabilities or to get to know you personally is going to make them feel a lot more comfortable. So I always do random questions with students. Um, I'm doing a daily check-in every morning, even though my students are in person they do a daily check-in every single day for how they're feeling and why they're feeling that way. And I think that gives them permission to explain things um, in a more private ma manner with you because they do it via Google Forms. So no one else sees their answer. Um, I also do morning meeting questions. So uh, yesterday's question was, uh, are cats or, or dogs better pets? and why, and students had to explain that. And I feel that lets you into their lives a little bit without them even realizing it. Mm -hmm. uh, those random questions, uh, you know, what's your favorite ice cream topping or uh, where do you feel the most comfortable in your house? Those types of things are helping you gather information on your kids. And when you share your answers for those, the kids giggle and laugh because I always tend to somehow make it funny. I don't know how that is, but it does. Um, and it allows them to realize that you're a human like they are, and you're going through similar things, and you have similar likes and dislikes. 
and I think it makes them trust you. So those are a couple of my tips, you know, a daily check in with students. Um, even if you're remote or hybrid, you can do that via Google Forms um, and then having some type of question for them every single day that kind of gives you a little snapshot into their life. I agree with the question, and I think it can be as simple as a would you rather question. Um, those are pretty popular right now, um, and students think they're fun, but it really does let you see a little bit of their personality, um, their likes and their dislikes. Um, another suggestion I would have is just be very, very intentional about who you're communicating with on a daily basis. Um, I know in the classroom, there have been days that we have been so busy and we have been so rushed that I get to the end of the day and I'll think about a kid or two and I think, did I even have a meaningful conversation with that student today? Um, and if I do that, then the next day, I'm very intentional about um, going to that student and just asking, you know, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Or, hey, did you, you know, did your dad get the new car that he was talking about? Um, and really just being intentional about making a personal connection um, through conversation with every single student at least once or twice a week. Um, and you know, little kids, they could care less that what sound the short you makes. They don't care um, how you write a sentence, but they do care that they just lost their second tooth or that their, you know, dog peed in their bed or, you know, whatever funny story. And it might not be a big deal to me, but it's their world. And right. so creating that space where they just have that opportunity to share that little story with you or with the class so that they feel like somebody sees them. That makes that makes so much sense. And what I like about these tips is they're, they're, there's nothing overtly complicated about them. They're direct, easy things that the teachers can implement tomorrow to to make an impact in their classroom. So as as you guys kind of reflect on, on what we've talked about and, and, and kind of everything related to that, if you had to pick what is one takeaway uh, that you want everyone out there listening to remember from today's chat, what would those be? I have a couple of takeaways actually. Um, so the first one is about students. So for students, I think that you need to make sure that you take time to talk to them and not about the math problem they're working on or about the book they're reading or how to decode a word. Actually take time to talk to them. And I think that there is going to be the most valuable thing that you can use for relationships with students. Um, and also relationships with families. And then for teachers, my big one is you need to remember yourself. You need to take time for you. Especially this year, we are asked to go above and beyond every single day, more so than normal. And I feel like right now, the one thing 
that is evident is teacher burnout and it's happening earlier and it's definitely more intense than it has been. So I think that taking time for yourself and finding something that's going to bring you joy and fill your cup is especially important this school year. Um, I have two also. Um, mine are just two very, very general. Um, but the first one is um, go slow to go fast. And I've heard this from um, an administrator in our district for a while now. And basically, we have to put in the time to build the foundation at the beginning, which will save us time later on. So if we focus on those relationships now, we focus on routines now, we focus on technology now, and we really make sure that our foundation is strong before pushing through curriculum, then we're, it's going to pay off later and we're going to really have more time in the long run. And the second thing I would say is just do what's best for kids. And I know that seems really simple and like, oh, we do that all the time. But honestly, I have seen some really crazy requirements from administrators in a lot of the um, educational groups I'm part of. And ultimately, we are here for the kids. And that's why I do what I do every day. Um, and my job is to go in and make sure that what I'm doing is best for them. And so if there is some sort of weird requirement that, you know, an administrator or a parent or a colleague is kind of expecting you to do or to um, carry out, and you in your gut don't feel like it's what's best for kids, um, I would say have the courage to stand up and question it and make sure that we're putting our students first through this whole weird 2020 crazy educational time. I love it. I am so glad that you guys were able to hang out with Matt and I for a little while. You guys gave some really sound advice. And I think if anything, you guys, it, it's it's really cool how you guys kind of talk about how you've transitioned, how you, you've gotten better. And, 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 and ultimately, if there's one kind of underlying theme is you guys just want to do what's best for kids. And I think that's pretty cool. Maggie, thank you. And Amanda, thank you also. Um, folks, if if people wanted to get in touch with you after listening to this episode to learn more about uh, how you are approaching education where you live, um, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you and reach out to you? I am on Twitter at AmandaPost1513. And then I'm on Instagram at AmandaLorraine1513. I am also on Twitter at GiffordM621. I'm also on Instagram at the same handle at GiffordM621. Um, I sometimes forget about Instagram though, so Twitter is the best place to find me. Uh, Amanda, Maggie, thank you both for spending some time with us. Thank you for having us. This was, um, I was excited to, um, 
make contact with you again. Like you said, it's been a year since we met at the conference. So it was and, nice and to kind of hang out to, and catch up um, for a while. I think Maggie and I both were excited and thrilled to be asked to be on your podcast. Um, you know, we, we so enjoyed, you know, meeting you at the Teach Better conference last year. And I think we're just really grateful for the opportunity to share what we do and, and our love for kids and education and, you know, even in this crazy time, you know, we're all going to get through it. A absolutely. Um, if, if anything, that's what public education is all about. You meet, you network, you learn from each other, and you, and you try to do great things for kids. Well, Matt, I enjoyed that. Those are a couple of really wonderful people. I mean, that's one of the reasons that you go to conferences is you meet people that I never, ever would have met or crossed paths with before. And here we are a year later, they're hanging out with us again. I'm still learning from them. And um, yeah, I just enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I really like their uh, points of view. We personally, being from a, a, a middle school, um, secondary background, it, it, doesn't occur to me right off the bat about how the little ones adapt to remote and hybrid learning. I'm, I'm sure that they're very fortunate that they have time to be in person face-to-face -face with their students. It sounds like they're doing a great job getting them ready in case they do have to pivot and, and go back to a remote setting. And it sounds like they're doing all the right things right. Um, so I think this was an interesting conversation. And I think it's one that a lot of people can learn from. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So if people out there want to learn from you, Matt, what is the easiest way to, to get in contact with you? Uh, I am at Yoda Matt 68 Nick, you? at Dr. Nick Sutton um, is my preferred Twitter uh, platform to reach out to me. Um, as always, thank you everyone out there listening to us. Um, we really enjoy doing these podcasts. So hopefully there are people that are out there enjoying listening to them. And if you enjoyed this, or if you are interested to learn more, check out our website at www.learningthroughleading.com for this and all of our past episodes. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Learning Through Leading podcast. You can find us at learningthroughleading.com or on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out. We'll be back soon with another episode.